Thanks for downloading this week's Revolution Community Church podcast. We hope you are challenged by this talk and will share it with your family and friends. If this is your first encounter with Revolution, we'll hope you'll come and visit us at our Logansport campus at 3930 East Market Street. Or check us out online at revolutioncc.org. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode at Revolution, where Sundays are a party, where the family gets together, and we're always expecting guests. All right, well, I am super excited to be with you this morning. How, how's everybody doing out there? You guys good? Sounds like we're really awake in this second service. Uh, and I am just on fire this morning. One of the main reasons for that is last Sunday. With our, like our Family Fifth Sunday, the next generation being in the room with us, it was an incredible Family Fifth. Uh, if you were here last Sunday, make a little bit of noise if you were here for Family Fifth. Okay. Make a little bit of noise if you thought Family Fifth was just off the chain last week. Because it, 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 that's a good thing. That's a good thing. If, uh, uh, our next generation at Revolution is on fire. It is incredible what is happening as they were up here kind of leading us through moves and motions and singing. And uh, we have uh, over 90 people at Revolution that serve in our, hey, how we doing, buddy? We have over 90 people that serve in our early childhood, our elementary, and our student groups all throughout that. And right now, there's a big need for K to third small group leaders with boys. So if you're thinking, like, where am I needed in the church? That's it, right there, okay? I just spoke it. But uh, it's just amazing what's happening within NextGen. Uh, one, of the, one of the individuals, I, there were some pictures that I thought that we're going to kind of scroll through through this section. So yeah, here's some pictures from last week. Uh, let's look at those other couple there as well. Yeah, I like that picture. That's my daughter on the left. And, and what, one of the individuals that really inspired me last week is this final image here. This is Keaton Scott. He was standing right here. Yeah. And Keaton is the son of Wes and Grace. I know they're in this room. They stood during life group leader time. But uh, th th one of the songs, um, Raise a Hallelujah, there's this part where it's like, sing a little louder, and then we're supposed to sing a little louder. And I, I was standing over here, so Keaton, every time it got to that part, he would go like this, like wanting us to sing louder. So I'm just like, it was awesome. So I love what's happening. A uh, big thanks to, to Coonrod as well for taking these great pictures last week. So after a one-week break, we're back in our six-week Turn the Page series and uh, what we're doing in this series, we're just turning to different pages of the Bible and looking at different stories in different books and seeing how they all connect together. Because um, as we said in week one, for many of us, the Bible, that, that you know, manuscript, those, all those documents that come together to make up the Bible, it can be a very confusing or overwhelming, often intimidating uh, document or library of books, however you want to think of it. So we're, we're looking at how these different pages and, and stories and stuff connect together because reading the Bible for ourselves, studying the Bible, it is such a huge part of growing our faith as, as Christ followers. So we're just hoping to bring down some walls as we kind of talk through how the stories connect. So that's one of the reasons we're calling this Turn the page. The other reason is because these characters we're looking at had a turn the page moment in their life. Because turn the page, it also doesn't mean just to literally flip a page, but to make a change in our life, to, to start something fresh, to make a change. So we're, we're looking at these individuals that had a change in their life. Week one, we talked about Abraham. 
God changed his life so much that he changed his name from Abram, which means father, to Abraham, which means father of many. Or as we said, God changed his name from daddy to big daddy. But, uh, but more than that, God blessed Abraham's life so that he could be a blessing to others. That's what we talked about in week one. Then a couple weeks ago, we looked at the story of Jacob, the grandson of Abraham, and just all the family dynamics, family drama, tension with his brother, and how God turned the page in Jacob's life from striving to surrendered. And today we're going to talk about turning the page from fear to faith. And I need this talk today because in a few hours, my Dallas Cowboys are playing the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers, I saw it already, Kevin. And, I, and we did not show up last week. I'm a little bit afraid that the 3 and one team from the north is <laughs> okay. The three and one team from the north is a little bit better than the three and one team from the south, but I have not lost faith, okay? I still have faith, and I know if you're a Colts fan or a Bears fan, you need this talk even more than me. So, so we'll go forward with it. But um, one final challenge as we've been going through this series is we've been challenging everyone to turn the page through the week of the Bible. We've been given like a reading plan challenge in the YouVersion app, and I'm going to go ahead and give that to you right up front. So if you're following along with this, this is the reading challenge, Faith Over Fear by David Villa. It's a four-day reading plan, so if you miss a day, you can get caught up. But that's in the YouVersion Bible app. You just search that under plans. If you're not sure how to look that up, stop at the Next Step station, and there are some individuals that would love to help you with that, figure that app out a little bit. But So that's a, so um, we're going, we're, we're also turning the page today from the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, to the second book of the Bible, the book of Exodus. And as the book of Genesis concludes, the Israelite people had traveled to the nation of Egypt to avoid a famine, and they've been in the land of Egypt for generation after generation. They've grown, they've multiplied as a group of people, as a nation of people, to the point where the the Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, is afraid that they're actually going to take over Egypt. So he decides to enslave all the Israelite people. Day after day, the Israelites have to work under these horrible conditions in Egypt. Um, But they continue to multiply. They continue to grow as as a group of people. So Pharaoh does another drastic measure. He decides to kill all the Hebrew baby boys. But there's this one Israelite mama that goes against the decree of the Pharaoh. She hides her baby boy, puts him in a basket, puts that basket in the river, and in this crazy plot twist in the story, um, the, the daughter of the Pharaoh actually finds this baby in the basket, takes the baby back to the palace, and raises her as her own son. And this baby boy becomes a man that God would use to turn the page to the next chapter of his story. We know this guy as Moses. And several of us have probably heard of Moses before. Uh, he parted the Red Sea. He starred in the movie The Ten Commandments. Uh, Fun fact about Moses, um, he was the very first man to ever own a tablet that downloaded information from the cloud. It gets way worse. So, uh, but, it, but Moses, he is a superstar in the Bible, man. I mean, if, if you've never even watched basketball, you've probably heard of LeBron James. If you've never watched a movie, you've likely heard of Brad Pitt. If you've never drank coffee, you've probably heard of Starbucks, which if you've never drank coffee, you got to live, okay? My goodness. But uh, if you've never even read the Bible, you've likely heard of Moses. I mean, he's a superstar in the Bible. Yet, before Moses becomes this Bible superstar, he was just a regular guy, and you might even consider him an outcast. He, he likely never even dreamed that God would use his life in a big way. 
And maybe you're thinking, well, how is that? He grew up in Pharaoh's palace. I mean, he's a Bible hero. I've heard of the guy. How is that? Well, here's one of the reasons that happened. Because one day he was in Egypt and he saw this Egyptian beating up or beating nearly to death an Israelite slave. And instead of turning this situation into slave authorities, which I don't know if, I don't know if they had that, he decides, Moses decides to kill the Egyptian and bury him in the sand. Well, they find out about what happened, so Moses has to run for his life. And he spends 40 years living in the wilderness of Midian. Moses runs away from everything he's ever known, all the people he grew up with. He runs to the wilderness and spends four decades in Midian, working for his father-in-law as a sheep herder. And that's where we're going to turn the page and pick up the story. It's Exodus chapter 3. This crazy thing happens in Moses' story. Here's what happens says this, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And that's what Horeb means. It means the mountain of God. It says, there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Now, so let, let's try to put ourselves in this story. Like, you're, you're just going about your normal routine as a sheep herder. You found this valley. The sheep are all grazing around. So you find a shade tree. You're just hanging out. This tree catches your eye because it's on fire. Fifteen minutes later, you look at the tree. It's still on fire, and nothing is happening to this bush tree thing. You'll, so you, you go over. Here's what happens. You go over to investigate. So Moses thought, I'm going to go over and see this strange sight why the bush does not burn up. And if we were in Moses' shoes, we would do the same thing, right? What is the deal with this fiery shrub that's not burning, right? It just keeps burning and burning, but doesn't burn up. But, but we would not do what do Moses does next. Look at what he does next. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, that Moses had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses because that's how God talks. And Moses said, look at this, and Moses said, here I am. <laughs> if I'm Moses, this is not my response, right? I, if, if I, I'm going to explore and try to figure out what's the deal with this bush that's on fire, but if the bush starts saying, Anthony, I'm not like, here I am, I'm like, there I go, right? But evidently, Moses has some courage within him, and he just he, he stays there at the bush. It's this, it's this crazy, unusual encounter that Moses has with the creator of the universe. And it does make me wonder. I want us to think about this. If God wanted to speak to me in an unexpected way, would I be listening? I want us to think about that today. I mean, again, Moses is just going through the routine. He's a sheep herder. It's a normal day, and then this crazy thing happens. And if, if God wanted to speak to us in an unexpected way, would we, we be listening, or would we just pass it by and not notice it and just not respond? It, it made me think of a story that happened a few, weeks, or a few years ago in my life. It was uh, 2016, and uh, I, I took a road trip by myself to Hillsboro, Illinois, and uh, Hillsboro is actually the, the city that I was born in. My, my dad, my biological dad, grew up in Hillsboro. And I've shared before, uh, some of you know that uh, my dad passed away in February of 1986. So I was four years old. And several years ago, I started through conversations with a friend, I started really diving into the grief of that loss as a child. And I'd never really thought about it a whole lot, like the grief that came with it as I'm getting older and 
you know, just, just it, I'm getting closer to that age where he passed. I'm just thinking about it more and kind of working through that. So anyway, part of working through the loss was to go back to the town I was born in where my dad lived and just, I had all kinds of activities planned. I went to his graveside a couple times, and I've shared some of this before. I uh, went to the lake where he was baptized and um, went to the, the business he owned downtown and kind of explored and all that kind of stuff, but had some conversations with some of his friends. What, one part of the story I didn't share, as I shared this a few years ago, was while I was at his grave the second time, at, this was at the end of the trip, about a dozen wild turkeys started walking out of the woods into the cemetery over to my left. You know, I, I took a picture of it. It's not a very good picture because they were probably 100 feet or so to my left. And as I turned to look at these wild turkeys at the cemetery, about a, another 50 feet or so to my left and, and beyond was a guy at another gravestone, extremely emotional. I mean, just, I mean, out of control, like sobbing and leaned over the gravestone crying. About the same time I saw him, he saw me, noticed that I'd spotted him. He gets back in his red F-150 and takes off. So I go back. I'm, I'm just kind of praying there at my dad's graveside, and, you know, I'm journaling a little bit as well. And, but there was something inside of me that said I needed to stop by that gravestone that the guy was standing at to just gain a little bit more information before I leave the cemetery. So I walk over to the gravestone, and I didn't write anything down. I didn't take a picture. I didn't want to be there long because I was afraid the guy was maybe still around somewhere and was going to be coming back. So I didn't want to disrespect anything. But what, what I remember was it, was it was a male name on the gravestone, uh, born 1995, had passed away June 2016. So this guy was 20 or 21 years old that had passed. Uh, I'm standing at this gravestone June 30th, 2016, so days, weeks after this guy had passed, 20, 21 years old, I'm assuming that the guy that was there, emotional over the gravestone, was his, this guy's father that had died. And my mind went to, you know, traffic accident or drug overdose or all kinds of different things to die at age 20 or 21. But I'm sharing that to say it was like God spoke to me out of that gravestone in a way. Was, this was at the end of the trip, and I wrote it down. I put it in my notes here. It's like I heard this voice that said, Anthony... Continue to grieve your dad's passing. You're not done with that. But remember, I'm working in you and I'm healing you because you are called to be there for others. There are dads and moms and brothers and sisters and people everywhere hurting from losing kids and all kinds of other things. And I'm doing this healing work in you so that I could use you to heal others. And I wrote that down. And it was this moment like where... I. You know, I don't have many of these moments in my life, but where God just kind of spoke something into my heart and my spirit in this very unexpected way. So I just want to challenge us. Like, I, I want you to think about this right here. Let's, let's throw that next uh, thing on the screen. Always be ready for God to speak in an unexpected way. We just never know how he's going to speak. I, I thought he would speak at the lake where my dad was baptized or at his graveside. I would have never thought like the scenarios would have played out this way. Always be ready for God to speak in an unexpected way. So Moses hears God speak from a bush that's on fire. God tells Moses he's heard the cries of his people and he's going to rescue his people. And then he says this, So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. 
So God is ready to turn the page, start the next chapter in the story, and he calls Moses to be the lead role in the next chapter. You're the guy. Like, I'm going to use you to lead my people to freedom. Yet how does Moses respond? Not quite with the bravery he did initially when he hung out at this talking bush, okay? Not quite with courage and faith. He looks at himself standing in worn-out sandals, holding a weathered staff, and here's how he responds. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? I actually want us to say that question Moses asked together. Okay, let's, the next, it's going to come on the next screen here. Let's just say this together. Ready? Who am I? One more time. Who am I? And I think that's a really honest response to this assignment, right? I mean, how many of us have ever felt like with God nudging us to take a next step and do something courageous, we've ever felt like you got the wrong guy? You got the wrong girl for this assignment. Who am I, God? Moses, he's full of self-doubt. He carries the shame of his past. He has no credentials, no special abilities. He's, he's not accomplished anything worthwhile in his life at this point, right? God, who am I that I would be able to carry out this assignment? Let, let me give you the, the four most important words, or four most important letters in the alphabet, okay? Four most important letters right here. I see in you. Four most important letters in the alphabet. I see in you. I feel like it's my responsibility as lead pastor to use these letters in conversation often. Like, I see in you, and I, I try to do this, like, I see in you that you have the gift of hospitality, that God has given you this way to connect with people, to tear down walls, to, to, to help people feel loved and cared for and welcomed. Or I, I see in you that you have the gift of leadership, that, that God just wired you in a way where you could facilitate a life group and help other people move in God's direction together. I see in you. Like it is a leader's job to help people see things in themselves that they can't see by themselves. I'm going to say that again. It, it's, the, it's a leader's job to help people see things in themselves they can't see by themselves. And this is what God is doing with Moses. He's being a leader to Moses, right? He's, I see in you. But how many of us, after God you know, speaks something like this over our life, we're like, God, you got the wrong you, right? You messed up the last letter. You're pointing at the wrong person. Who am I, God? I mean, just like Moses, we, we struggle with self-doubt, yet God responds like God always responds. Look at what God says. And God said, let's read it, I will be with you. That's the promise God always has attached to a tough assignment. And this will be a sign to you, it's I who have sent you, when you've brought the people up out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. God's like, look, I'm not just sending you. I'm staying with you. I'm going to be right here with you through this whole thing. And he even attaches this very specific promise that, hey, in a few weeks, you're going to be back at this same mountain. You're going to be free. The people of Israel are going to be free. I'm going to meet with you again in this same place. It's a promise. But Moses' fear isn't quenched yet. Moses said to God, well, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? So M Moses first asked, who am I, right? God, who am I that you would assign this? And then God says, I'm going to be with you. Don't worry about that. I'll be with you. And then he says, who are, but who are you, God? Like, that's the second doubt, struggle. Like, he's not just doubting himself. He's doubting God. Like, if I stick my neck out there, God, and, and take this risk, how do I know you're going to back me up? Tell me a little bit more about yourself. What, what's your name? He's doubting himself. He's doubting God. Who, who are you? To which God replies, God said to Moses, I am who I am. 
which sounds like a parent, doesn't it? I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And this, this is the first time in the pages of the Bible that God uses this name to refer to himself. I mean, it's mentioned hundreds of times in the pages that follow. But this is the first time. And what's interesting about this, it's not really a name, right? It's more of like a description, almost like a, a verb in a way, like I am. And in essence, God is saying to Moses, whatever you are not, I am. And I believe somebody needs to get this today, okay? God is saying to you, I am. Whatever you are not. Like when we think, God, but God, I can't do this. I'm not good enough, God. I know, but I am. But God, I, I just, I, I don't have what it takes to accomplish this. I don't I have the right skill. I don't have, I'm not, have, I don't have enough wisdom or knowledge or, I, I, I just, I'm not enough. But God's like, I am. I am. Everything you are not, God tells Moses, I will be because I'm with you. Whatever guilt or shame or inadequacy you brought in this morning, whatever that is, whatever you lack, God is enough. God is enough. And even with God speaking this, Moses is still afraid. The conversation continues into chapter 4. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? So first Moses is like, well, who am I, God? I'm not the right guy. And then he's like, but who are you? And then, I mean, we, this is the next question, right? What about them? What about them? God, even if you're with me, what, I mean, I don't know if they're going to get behind me. What if the people don't think I'm charismatic enough? Or what if I can't rally them to, to leave like Egypt to, to get toward freedom? What, I mean, we don't have any control over their response. What about them? These are the fear responses, right? I'm not enough. God, I'm not sure if you're enough. And even if you're enough, I don't know if I can rally the troops. These are the doubts and fears that we all wrestle with. See, I think it's really important to notice that this huge hero of faith struggled with an intense amount of fear. And even at the end of the conversation, Moses doesn't let out some faith war cry like, let's go. Here's the end of the conversation. Here's where Moses ends it. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. And I think Moses' story conveys something really important, not just about Moses, but about God and about faith. Because this encounter ends with Moses saying, God, isn't there anyone else? And God says, nope, you're still the guy. Which means that stepping out in faith, trusting God, is not the absence of fear. It is not the elimination of questions. It is not the absence of doubt. That's not what God expects. Faith is being obedient even though I'm still afraid. Faith is being obedient even though I'm still wrestling with, man, who am I for this and who are you and what about them? Because Moses, even though he's still verbalizing fear and distrust, he still does what God says to do. That's Moses' story. Like Moses still, despite how that conversation ends, he still goes to Egypt, says, let my people go, and then a few chapters later is meeting with God again out Mount Horeb, the mountain of God, and he's a free man, and the people of Israel are free people. Despite his fear, Moses still obeyed God, and God used him to play the most vital role in this next part of the story. 
Faith is being obedient even though I'm still afraid. Faith is cold sweats. Whoa. <laughs> Faith is cold sweats. It is like clenched fist. It is heart beating fast. But it's still like, okay, I'm going to go for it anyway. I'm going to go for it anyway. I think this is one of the, this is what they were ready for. This is one of the best visuals, I think, of faith. We're ready now. <laughs> Impossible. Nobody can jump this. Ah! Indy! And you must hurry! One of my favorite movies, by the way. Um, I'm joined on stage uh, by Mike again. Mike Barron was up here for the life groups earlier and, uh, you know, starting a new group. L let me just ask, I want to I dive into a little bit of the, the why, like why you're starting this group. And how does that video, that little clip there, connect with you right now? Yeah, so my heart's beating out of my chest right now, too. <laughs> uh, no, it was a big step for me because I thought, why me, you know? Why am I starting this group? So, but yeah. I've been in, I've been here. Just a little backstory. I've been coming to Revolution for like three years now, and uh, I've been in life group with Anthony two years. And when I first got in the group, I was like, Why am I partnered up with him? I'm on no level as as he is. And we cleared was, that up real quick. <laughs> yeah. you got comfortable real quick. Yeah. yeah, it was really hard to open up, but over time, as the wall started coming down, and I started diving in the book more and we got really close as a group and um, I come every Sunday and we started with I think it was the Rooted series and um, all, me and the boys all got baptized so that was a pretty special moment for us yeah so then I really got intentional and like sports was always a really big thing priority in our household so as Garrett came up and he interviewed, he said, uh, we're going to start putting that as a priority. So we put that over sports and everything else in our household, and it's really changed our whole life. So It's awesome, man. Yeah. So uh, I made a Facebook post this week, and uh, I just asked for people to respond to the question, what are you afraid of? And I, I, last I looked, it had over 120 comments, and many of you in the room I know commented, and uh, there were some great hilarious comments. Uh, the, the manager of the theater, Richard, he said he's afraid that the, the popcorn maker at the theater is going to go down. 
which if I'm being honest, I'm, I'm afraid of that too because that's the best popcorn. Anyway, uh, and then Matt Llewellyn, one of our board members, talked about how his gut-wrenching fear is uh, eating hot wings and getting indigestion. So every guy over 35, we connect with that fear. But, um, but you, and you commented on there, a lot of people got real and raw too, like I'm afraid of failing or I'm afraid of losing my family or business failing and different things like that. You commented on there. What did you put? You remember? Uh, yeah, I put my wife. That is what you put, but you, that was, you put something. That's not what I was talking about. You put a different fear. Because oh, <laughs> I know one. you're not really. Uh, um, no, being judged, really. Um, the fear of being judged. So. How does that connect with, I mean, the step that you're taking right now, being on stage and yeah. stepping out to lead a group? How does that connect? Well, I just sometimes you feel like you're not worthy enough, but like, and I don't know why I'm up here speaking in front of everybody else, but God spoke to me the other week uh, during the first Turn the Page series, and he, there was people around me, and I seen how, how they needed a life group. They needed to experience the things that I was experiencing in our life group, so God's like, go start the life group, do it, talk to them, so... Yeah, I'll never forget that week because you came to me, you came to Brian, like, I'm just going to start a group. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, yes, go for it. And I saw, you didn't see it, I don't think. Your group had a standing ovation for you as you're walking off stage. So They're too these kind. guys are with yeah. you. So, yeah. Um, so you sent a quote out to our life group this week to challenge us. And, like, I wanted you to read that and just say, why does that quote, like, speak to you right now? Yeah, so it was from the devotional that you put up earlier, the, no, the fear. The faith over fear. Yeah, yeah, so don't drop anchor when God is telling you to open up the sails. So, I mean, if God's talking to you to do something, just do it. If you're scared, just do it anyways. It's going to lead to good things. I know it is. These guys over here are pumped up, and we're ready to go. Yeah, I, I hope you accept that challenge because nothing grows us more then we're afraid and we're going to go for it anyway, and especially if God's speaking. And I, I just want to say, I said this for a service, but I'm so proud of this guy right here for the step he's taken, um, just where his family's headed and the, the priorities in their life. Um, and after their group Sunday night, he sent a text and said how well it went. I said, dude, I'm so proud of you. And he said, no, it just it, God told me to do it. I said, but you answered, but you answered. And I know the reason you answered is because the reason you're pushing through your fear is because there's people in your group that are fighting fear, too, in different ways. Fear of, you know, they responded on that post, too. We're all facing different fears, and we need to do it together. And we need people willing to lead like you are. So thanks so much for what you're doing. Thanks. Thank you. So I, if you were here for week one of this series, I just, I had a pastor heart moment to you. And I'm, it's, I, with Moses' story, I'm right back to where I was then in many ways. Like, what, what is it God's calling you to? Because I know God is calling you to a life, to, to an adventure way beyond your own capabilities, your own skill set, your own thought process of worthiness. Like your, your, what, your own giftedness, your own comfort level. He's calling you to something more. He's calling you to something more. You know, this phrase we've been using at Revolution for two years now is, at Revolution, we imagine 320. 
which means we dream big and we act bold. And in five weeks, we're going to end this generosity initiative called Imagine 320. But that phrase doesn't leave because that's what it means to follow Jesus, to imagine 320, to dream big and to act bold, to go for it in the midst of fear. And, and I'm sure you connect with Moses, right? Maybe you connect with some of these words here. Moses felt inadequate. God, I'm not worthy. Who, who am I? Moses felt this word. He felt incapable. I, like he even says it later, like, I can't speak. I don't, I don't have what it takes. And I guarantee you this was a word. He didn't want to feel uncomfortable. He's been in Midian 40 years. Sheep herding, that's all he knows. And this right here, this word is my struggle. When God nudges me to take a next step, I'm like, I like where I'm at. I'm real comfortable right here. I know about this area. I don't know about this next area. But God is calling us. This is where our faith grows. This is where our relationship with Christ grows right here. In this world of next step, not sure, going to take some faith. So I just, as we sing these final two songs, I've just been praying that a turn the page moment begins to happen this morning. In this service, it's noon, this afternoon, whatever, that a turn the page moment gets ready to happen in our lives. Because we can't do anything here. It's out there. And maybe you need to pray with somebody today. Maybe you need to join with someone in prayer. There's going to be some volunteers back here in the prayer room that would love to join hands with you and pray over something specific that you're praying over. And Larry and Linda would love to pray with you this morning. Go meet them over there. But we're just going to stand together, and we're going to proclaim the truth of these songs and just believe God is going to turn a page this morning.